Hey, uh, Justin, are we going to listen to your phone ding all night? No, I already turned my ringer off just for you. Well, that's that's nice. So, Winston, the way this typically goes is we banter for about 10 minutes until we say something funny enough, we think, to uh, start off with. What's going on with that hat? Oh, man. <laughs> Let's get right into it. <laughs> I mean, can you read it? Kairos. 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 Godson. Man, know something about Greek. Easy, fella. Man. I mean, okay. if you're going to come at my hat, I'm going to come back I, at you. You did match intensity, I guess. <laughs> Why is it so tall? How much did it cost to rent that billboard on top of your head? <laughs> you know, it, it does have a, a stately point to it. <laughs> a stately point. I prefer to think of it as a steeple in training. Mm. Well, don't wear that in central K- Kentucky on a windy day. <laughs> no, I got it at Goodwill. And actually, I, I'm just trying it out. Oh, they don't sell that at Lids? <laughs> I tried there first. They were out. Supply chain stuff. Right, right, right. That's what it is. Yeah. No, this is actually a gift for Robert Hyde. For Robert Hyde? For Robert Hyde. I'm going to give him this hat. Well, why are you I'm just breaking it it in for him. (laughs) Okay. So is that that another way of saying you didn't comb your hair and it was in your truck? No, 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 no. It's it's another way of saying I think I have a lot of sawdust in my hair and I was going to wear a hat, but the Carhartt hat that I usually grab, let's just say I, I might be philosophically and ethically opposed to them a little bit right now yeah i was was telling misty about that this morning yeah that there's that gift going on about everyone wants to do carhartt stuff oh right or whatever she sent that out to people i know but i was telling her apparently doing carhartt stuff now means mandating that your employees get vaccinated even though the supreme court said that's unconstitutional right yeah yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'll still wear that stuff in private, but I, I'm not going to... Talk about being out of touch with your target demographic, though. No no kidding, right? Good grief. So that that's why I'm, I'm rocking Kairos. So instead of, you know, making myself a billboard for an apparently woke corporation, I'm making myself a billboard for Kairos, God's time. Yeah. So there are two kinds of time in Greek. There's Kronos, which is, you know, normal, like, on-the-clock time, and then there's Kairos, which is god's time it's like the idea of like seasons and like appropriate timing Mm. you know like in the fullness of time like that would be kairos rather than chronos yeah yeah interesting and that that's a conversation that i had with robert hyde i don't know a couple years ago and he he brings it up from time to time and so i saw this and thought i'm getting that for robert turns out i also got it for me temporarily All right. I think that was good. I, I mean, maybe we've sufficiently bantered. I think that was pretty good banter. Okay. All right. Are we ready? Maybe we should cut the stuff about pajama day. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the sake of sensitivity. Okay. Okay. I'll fix that in post. Okay, good. You know that if we start going live again, there'll be no fixing things in post. That's not true. Have you ever watched CNN? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Welcome to Deutero Cannons. I'm Byron, and with me, as always, is Justin. Party on, Justin. Party on, Byron. And this is episode 40, or 26, if you're listening. I almost said watching. I mean, you can look. Watching. <laughs> listening on Apple Podcast. And we have a special guest with us tonight. We have another member of our congregation. So a couple weeks back, we had Daniel here. This week, we have a Mr. Winston Gill. 
Winston, hello. Hello. Thank you. And so I think this is appropriate because we're going to be doing our, you ready? Threequel on work. Is that a word? Threequel? Yeah, you know, I, I sort of I worked did on... that first. No, you did not. No, not threequel, but the idea of having a second episode, a sequel, if you will. Yeah. And then a threequel, and then up to a fivequel. Yeah, because you did a first one, and then you did a repeat, and then a threepeat. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. you're up to like five peat. Right, we're gonna table that for a while. Okay, but. so we're gonna three. We're, we're on a threequel for something <laughs> something about work three, and I figured that was appropriate. I'm glad that Winston's here, um, because I think he says a lot of insightful things in, in in church, and I think it's cool that other people get to hear him. Um, and so, like I said, we're gonna talk about. Work, oh, sorry. Why that's appropriate though is because Winston is one of the many farmers that lives out in this area of the world. Before we get into all that, though, make sure to like, share, subscribe, comment, tell a friend. And uh, yeah, we'll try to be more consistent about posting, but I don't know what else to tell you. It's the weather. It's the COVID. I'm pretty sure I had Omicron. Do you have Omicron yet? No. Loser. Anyway. <laughs> It'll ha- it's gonna- I, I refrain from revealing details of my personal medical history. Okay. I mean, that's your, that's your right. Name rank zero number. So, uh, so we're going to talk about work tonight. Um, I guess just to briefly summarize where we've been before, this started off talking about Mike Rowe's Sweat Pledge, which I probably have in here somewhere. We talked about some really angsty song lyrics that kind of seem to counter that approach to work. Um, we started in the garden and how man was made to work before the fall. And then after the fall, <coughs> work became frustrated. Um, we've been several places since then, but where we wrapped up last week is uh, I shared a passage from the the Talmud, which is a completely normal thing for you to say in a Church of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to read that real quick, and then uh, we, we can we can get into this here. Um, and so what this was was so where we left off is we were talking about Jesus having a trade and kind of how he he underwrites underwrit underwrote. Underwrit. So I don't. I don't on. know where you're going yet, so I can't critique your grammar. The Old Testament. He underwrit the Old Testament, and more than likely underscored. Underscored. Yeah, underwriting is what like the guy does, like an actuary. Well, okay. In the military, when we say underwrite, that means like you sign at the bottom. Like, okay. Like if I have orders, <coughs> if there's a bunch of stuff up here, like this is what you're gonna do. The guy, the commander signs down here underneath okay. it. Okay. How about endorses? Sure. Or validates. That'll work. Or supports. God or Jesus endorses the Old Testament. Yes. And we have a tendency to, and, and my, my argument was that he probably also, uh, I mean, he, he lived this Jewish lifestyle and, and part one of the indicators for that was because he practiced a trade. He came by it on us too. Right. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to read this, this real quick. It says, Condition 29a, the Gemara comments, according to this interpretation, we learn in this Mishnah that which the sages taught in a Barita. A father is obligated with regard to his son to circumcise him and to redeem him, and if he is a firstborn who must be redeemed by payment to a priest and to teach him Torah, to marry him to a woman, and to teach him a trade. And some say a father is also obligated to teach his son to swim. (laughs) I would add, and to ride a bike. Oh, because if you don't know how to ride a bike, it's just something wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, okay. So that's where we kind of left off. It was this idea that there's <laughs> this, I guess, maybe cultural 
uh, insistence that a young man learn a trade. Um, man, I can't. I don't want to explain too much more. If you don't remember everything else we talked about, you need to go watch, go listen to the, the previous episodes because we talked about the bronze bow and kind of some of those dynamics. I think that one's called Something About Work Part 2. That was, yep. All right, so uh, what do I got here? Let's see what Proverbs 22.6 says. Proverbs 22.6. Psalms, Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6. What did I put here? It's part of training up. Oh, okay, clearly. All right, so I think what I was arguing here, sorry, I'm not making sense of my outline. It's been a while since I looked at it. Start children off in the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. <clears throat> um, so I guess the argument here is that teaching a child a trade might be a part of, of that training them up in the way that they should go. What say ye? Yes. Care to expound upon that? <laughs> I've also been re referencing... Genesis 18, 18 through 19. Let me look at that real quick. Genesis 18, 18 through 19. Well, I think it's another one of the examples of modern Western society being insulated from reality. Mm -hmm. what, what is? Train a child up in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart far from it. Mm -hmm. Including survival essentially uh, how to how to get food i mean mm -hmm. everything from hunting gathering growing to you know possibly a trade right. otherwise you you don't eat but there, there's even more necessity in it because if a so let's say if you d lived in a society where there was no quote social uh safety net and you could literally starve to death, you might be able to work and provide for yourself and for your family up to a certain point. But those days are numbered. Mm -hmm. And if you don't train your child up in the way he should go, not only is he, he not going to have the skills to be able to take care of you in your old age, but he's not going to care mm -hmm. to do it in the first place. Yeah. So do you think... Um, so I think that it, it, it could be understood more broadly than just having a spiritual application you know, teaching a kid to love the Lord and, and care about his commandments. Mm -hmm. That's, that's more all encompassing in terms of lifestyle than, than just quote, believing in God or for us quote, being baptized. So I, I have a note here and I'm trying to figure out what it's referencing. If it's cause I didn't put, it says the way equals instruction and then the way equals discipline. Um, which I, I mean, I think that's probably accurate. I mean, that's those are those are two aspects of let's say let's say parenting and and what the training up in the way might look like. Like there is the the element of discipline, and there's also the element of like showing them how. Let's say, um, and I I mean I think like this is clearly it's an obligation for parents, and maybe I guess according to the the Talmud fathers specifically. Because, I mean, what happens if you don't teach them a trade? And I guess that's kind of what you're getting to. Right. Right. Nothing good. Nothing good. What are they going to do? Proverbs, early on in Proverbs, you know, so what did you look at? Proverbs 22. Mm -hmm. In Proverbs chapter 1, it talks about the danger inherent 
in failing to train children up to care to care about and know and recognize mm-hmm. and live by wisdom. Yeah. I mean, chapter one right there talks about folly. Yeah. Uh, my son, if sinners entice you, do not go along with them. If they say, come along with us, we will waylay some some soul and we will share a common purse. Like, don't don't go along with that. So I'm not so if if kids aren't if we aren't training our children to actively do and seek out good things, it's not just that they won't do those good things. It's that they become more susceptible to bad things, mm-hmm. specifically death. Yeah. Because that that's in Proverbs one also. Yeah. It it says uh, um, something about whole. Uh, oh shoot, whole like those who go down to the pit. Oh, I should I should have that memorized a little bit better. But it's essentially saying that those who who reject wisdom, they're on the path literally to death. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's where it goes. Yeah, we got to find a way to draw Winston in here because he said before he didn't think he was going to talk too much. Serious? Yeah. Look at him sitting over well, there. Well, I've sort of been waiting for you to ask him a question, but I've got I've got plenty of questions. You got a question to ask him? Ask I him do. a question. I, well, let I me. Mean, I guess I do have one question because here and here's something that you maybe could speak to Winston. So, what 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 was it like as when when you were younger? As far as uh, I mean, like at what age was was a young person able to work? Well, that's widely varied, like it would be anywhere, but out in the country when mm-hmm. you're on the farm. Mm-hmm it's more likely to be true to be younger than almost any other place because the opportunity is there yeah. to work with your parents mm-hmm. because they're there. Right. They're on that location. So it wasn't unusual, and you see this in the Amish community, if you look, or the Mennonite community, it's not unusual for five- and six-year-old kids to be trailing along behind their father or mother and doing the same work. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I mean, that was true for several of us in this community. Yeah. I mean, at five, six, seven years old, we were we were following along and doing as yeah. our parents did. Right. Because they were there. Mm-hmm. It was a blessing that that was true. They were Their work was near enough to home that the children could be there. Yeah. And so, yes, at a very early age, it was common. And even if it wasn't as early as that, certainly by 12 or 13 you know, children were generally expected to do considerable amount of, of work. We, we've talked about that on this, you know, on here before where I think kids are capable of far more than, than folks our age probably think. And, uh, you know, because of that, you're doing a disservice to the child because, you know, you're, um, you're, you're, not, ex- you're not expecting as much of them. And you're also doing a disservice to yourself because now you're doing more work because you think that they can't. Um, which so I think that's an interesting dynamic. But I, I guess something else that I, I wonder, kind of with what, with your comments too, Justin, is I want to say it was it was actually Newt Gingrich. He, I was watching him in one of the presidential debates a couple years back, and he was advocating for lowering or adjusting some of the labor laws <clears throat> because <laughs> you know you hear people talk about like the. Um, uh, what is it, the school to prison pipeline and all that other stuff. Yeah. And, and his whole thing is like, we have all these kids who don't want to go to school, but they can't work because of the, the laws surrounding child labor. Like, mm-hmm. like there's no sweatshops anymore. We've got OSHA. Like, let, why don't we let them work? And I, you know, I think that's like maybe another hidden truth here, whether you want to give Christianity credit for it, not or, for it or not, where again, where what you're saying is so very true, where we could, could keep, could lead kids away from, 
you know, going down the wrong path if you just gave them more opportunities to work and find fulfillment in that way, if they're not prone to academics, let's say. Mm -hmm. Something that strikes me is just how much work there is to do. <clears throat> and, and again, I think a lot of people are isolated, insulated from that. But what you're talking about <clears throat> is that by not training up a child in the way he should go, it actually creates ultimately more work for the parent, but the wrong kind of work. Yeah. So something that, that I, I wanted to ask Winston is, could, could you talk about your experience of... Well, so it, it's so you, you were working from a young age, but it, it's not that your parents were were lazy or slacking. Could you could you talk about how important it was that you be a part, like for your family, not ju not just for yourself, but for your family to be a part of the work that sh that your your parents, but especially your father, were doing. Yeah, well, it's my father and my mother both. Uh, you, if you ask my mother, <laughs> you'll find out the hardship she had. Mm -hmm. uh, fixing meals for people that were not only in her family, but outside the family that were helping with the work because there are often many other people helping. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes she was roped into that duty, not only providing for her own family, but for others. So my sisters by extension learned to cook uh, at a very young age and clean and so on and so forth to assist with all of that. So it was a, it was a whole family thing. And I don't know. People now, adults now, seem to think that it's bad because they want to insulate their children. Mm -hmm. It seems to me, yeah, from <clears throat> from problems and issues, yeah, which then becomes a problem, yeah, because mm -hmm. they are insulated and don't understand the problems mm -hmm. that are real, and so they they come up with unreal problems, yeah, <laughs> yeah. to substitute them. Uh, and Justin and I have had this conversation before, and I. I'm afraid now I'm about to talk too much more than I intended to, but part of the subject, no such thing. <laughs> part of the subject that has come up in conversations that I've had with Justin is I've brought up the fact, and I hate this word and Justin be thinking of synonyms in, you know, the last 30 or 40 years, common, um, uh, educational and psychological, uh, uh, emphasis has been on people's, self-worth mm -hmm. i despise that phrase yeah. just as a general rule <laughs> yep because it's talked about mm -hmm. in a way that seems completely unnecessary and it but the pro the reason that it is necessary is because people seem to lack that yeah and the focus seems way too often to uh tr to try to deal have people deal with their self-image from only a perspective of of self-interest. And I, I have made this comment to Justin before. The people that were fortunate enough, as I was and some of my family were, and people that worked for a very young age, gained their, what you might term, self-worth, until you come up with a better synonym, <laughs> not from accomplishing something for themselves but realizing gradually over time what their worth was to their family oh yeah how about rootedness yes they they were what you were you became invested in the family 
and you you gained a sense that you were contributing toward the well-being of other people. <clears throat> and that became more important mm-hmm. than only thinking about yourself, yeah. which is the problem. I think what happens with children is that the parents allow them and the parents themselves dote on their children mm-hmm. to the point that the child becomes uh, rooted in the idea that he is he or she is the most important thing and is the focus. Yeah. As opposed to the well-being, first of all, of their family, yeah. and then second of all, to their Christian family, and thirdly of all, to everyone else. In a larger degree. Well, let, actually, let's go ahead and be turning over to Colossians three twenty three through twenty five because I think this is a per- perfect opportunity to go to this scripture because this is kind of where <coughs> this is where we were we're going to end up. But like what you're saying again, it speaks right to the 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 idea behind the 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 sorry rule in Mike Rose sweat pledge that I don't have with me, but it was something to the effect of don't uh, you know don't follow your passion, bring your passion with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's an element of that where it's hard. I, I know what he means, but it's also maybe hard to wrap your mind around that because if you have a job that you enjoy, certainly some of your, like, you, you are getting something from that. Um, but I think, what, what am I saying here? But I think, you know, my, like my daddy used to always say, he's like, I think you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy any job you decide to do. He told me that one time. Basically saying like if you if you go somewhere and just work hard and, and and then and become a valued member of the team like you're you're going to find fulfillment in that you know, but maybe that's what the passion piece is. But but you have to go there and dedicate yourself to it. Let's say yeah. So I think that the natural order of things, and I, I don't mean, I I mean natural order of things more, <clears throat> and 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 God's perspective is the the, the way that He conceived of humanity and i think still conceives of humanity is one that is family centric mm-hmm. and that that's what so you have the concept on the one hand of fulfillment coming in a career and there's a whole lot of messaging to kids at the earliest ages in schools toward that like like you as an individual have to determine what your passion is and what the things are that you're passionate about and they do interest inventories and mm-hmm. Uh, what's your learning style and like where's the place that you would fit the best and it's always somewhere else yeah and I'm not saying that there's no legitimacy to uh, career paths or vocations that aren't innately in the home mm-hmm. but the natural order of things is for the vocation to be near to home mm-hmm. and so if if and, and that that's what that's what Winston has has experienced not that not that all rural farm situations or all fa- close, close-knit close uh, family industry situations are necessarily always better because they are closer to the natural order. Mm-hmm. But they are. Th- they are closer <clears throat> to the natural order. And so we who find ourselves working outside of the home for, for our living, let's say, mm-hmm. I think have to make efforts to, to replicate or move in the direction of a of a home and family centered rootedness mm-hmm. for the sake of ourselves our, our our families and i think it's a problem when 
the desired thing is 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 somewhere else. Yeah, it it, it it's the, there, there's there's a division there, and that goes back to the when when we were talking about the word peace, how peace is not free, freedom from conflict mm-hmm. or absence of conflict. Peace is oneness. Mm-hmm. It's it's wholeness. Yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm sure that there isn't any farming family that's ever done it perfectly, but that that's a that's a, a picture of. Really, I mean, if you go to Isaiah 65 and 66, when the prophet is prophesying regarding God's plan for the future, those are the terms in which it's couched. Yeah. Because it says in, and I don't remember if it's 65 or 66, maybe Winston remembers, but it says, no longer will a man build a house and another live in it. No no longer will a man plant a tree and another eat from it. Mm-hmm. So it, and, and new heavens and new earth I declare. So if, if this is the imagery mm-hmm. that the Lord has given us to think about the ideal situation, yeah. well, then that's the imagery that we need to use to think about the ideal situation. Well, so if you look at the, the subheading, at least for me in Colossians, it says instructions for Christian households. So I'm actually just going to back up to 18, see if we can draw some context from these other verses, although that was not the target passage. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, and this is the passage I had in mind specifically, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Jesus, the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. So I guess, you know, to, to, to maybe just be real frank, that idea of work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, uh, I think kind of aligns with Mike Rowe's idea of, like, don't follow your passion, bring your passion with you. And so, mm-hmm. so where, and where you derive your passion from should be coming from outside that that vocation, and in our case, it should be coming from the Lord. So, um, and, and, and again, I, and I think could very easily also be tied to family. Um, so that that's almost kind of like the so what of this whole thing. Um, I, and I will also say, does, do you, you, either of you guys ever listen to AVB, the acapella vocal band? They're a Christian group. I've heard of them. Yeah. There's just, I always remember, there's a song, <laughs> they do a song on that I've always think about, think about, mm-hmm. and it's, Work at it with all of your heart. You've mentioned that before. Yeah, based on this verse. Yeah. Just, I mean, just another another argument for the the power of song. You'll have to send it to me. <laughs> I'll do that. Hey, maybe you could splice it in in post production. Maybe I could. I mean, since you don't fix my mistakes in post production, maybe maybe you would put in something that you like in post. Only your cartoonish sneezes. That happened once. <laughs> um. So. Let let me let me ask you this then. Um, well, actually, let me share one thing with you. Have you, Winston? Have you read that book, uh, "Love Love Your God with All Your Mind" that your mom loaned me? I have not read it yet. I just finished it, which I guess I should ask her if you can borrow it. I'm, I'm assuming you're interested in reading it. I am. You could just give it to me. Yeah. You think you think that'd be good? Maybe be fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but in there, he talks about um, how people tend to Christians will go off to college to pursue pursue a, voca- a vocation to pay their bills. But they don't, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is because the way our education system has 
uh, evolved, you know, like where, where can you go to school and learn about, I don't know, accounting and get a Christian's perspective of accounting and how you can do the Lord's work as an accountant. And so what he kind of argues for too, is like, you're not just going there to get a job to pay the bills. You're getting there to find what your vocation is in, in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that was an interesting perspective. What do you guys think of that? Yes. 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 Do I need a more pointed question than that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Winston and I both attended Christian universities. I mean, I, I attended a couple of them. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that just going to a Christian school makes a person about as Christian as being in a McDonald's makes a person a hamburger. Right. To to borrow from C uh, not C S Lewis yeah. I, I just assume that everything I say is, is goes back to, no it's Keith Green mm -hmm. have you heard of Keith Green I haven't you're trotting out acapella vocal band and you don't know about Keith Green I'm sorry second chapter of Acts <laughs> Don Francisco anybody moving on <laughs> <laughs> I agree though that 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 should be what Christian education is about sure sure there needs to be training and something that a person can do to make money mm -hmm. but you know is, is the person also getting actual spiritual training and, and opportunities is the collegiate experience producing a situation where where the where the students are interested in their 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 families and their their home churches and and being a blessing i mean like like what's this about is it about my education my passions my desires my my job my vocation my career my 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 or or is it about something you know deeper than that mm -hmm. i mean deeper i mean something that's spiritually motivated yeah cuz it's really easy to take you know some some idea that pops into a person's head that that may or may not be a passion or maybe really is and that that just becomes a totally selfish pursuit, and then you sink you know sixty to eighty thousand dollars in it, yeah, and there's nothing remotely spiritual about it, and it's just a yeah it's 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 a net bad well, you know what what I tend to think of with this, and uh man, maybe I go too hard on the uh like full time as I like to call them professional <clears throat> professional Christians, but uh, being a Christian with a, a vocation outside of the outside of of like paid ministry gives gives you access to a whole body of people you might not otherwise have access to. Uh, again, as like a working in the church building preacher, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've had conversations with with folks before about um how do I keep this. How do I say this without driving us down a whole another rabbit hole? Uh, who gets to speak and do certain things at church? And one of the things, kind of my arguments to them was like, you know, with your job, like, like I don't know why, you know, th what, this se what this seems like is that you, you want to preach. You want to get up on a stage and have people see you and, and like you're drawn to that, which is fine. But like, what are you doing where you are? Because like the, the area of, of, the area you work in, you have access to people. It was women specifically that like no preacher is ever going to be able to get to unless they, they come in the door, you know? And so, um, I'm just wondering if there isn't something more to that to like, like, like I mean, we haven't really talked about this yet, but Jesus was a carpenter. What role did that play in his ministry? Possibly. 
if any. I'm trying to defer to Winston. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. He he obviously learned a trade, mm-hmm. and that cultivated uh, that cultivated in him an ethic like what we were talking about. Yeah. And <clears throat> when you were reading this passage about doing it working heartedly as hard working for the Lord mm-hmm. that what that to me that made me think yes okay uh, what what does that really mean and if you're looking for that and you're trusting Jesus as an example you see that his life was about service mm-hmm. so he learned to work to serve other people or do good things for he went about doing good mm-hmm. so he learned to do good things he learned to to do good for other people yeah i'll bring in another whole thing that y'all can talk about on another occasion into this but i've tried to say this almost any place that i talk to some people and particularly younger people and use different things is different interests that they have as an example but i think this is one thing that is maybe the overarching truth that god knew that that he tried to teach to us that we often don't know Uh, but you will recognize immediately there is nothing that you can do or accomplish Mm -hmm. that will give you as much satisfaction Mm-hmm. If you do it by yourself for yourself, as is if you did it with with and or for somebody else, right? There's no way. There's no. There's no way that you can do any one thing and be as happy as you can as if it was shared mm-hmm. with someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that actually means giving or actually just a common sharing, mm-hmm. there's there's nothing like that. I mean, there's no comparison in what Justin was talking about earlier about it being so me-focused, you know, the children in education learning about my, 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 my. When you're learning about, instead of that, when you're learning about the the doing good in the service for everybody else, mm-hmm. then that that produces a satisfaction that is not achievable in the other way. You can't achieve that satisfaction by focusing on yourself nearly as much as you can, as nearly as much satisfaction as you can achieve Mm -hmm. by focusing on service to other people. Yeah. Which is the example that Jesus gave Mm -hmm. in his life and in his mission. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fortunately, we've been reading in John in the adult class, which there's, a whole and unbelievable amount of times where Jesus refers to the work that he is doing and the work that God is doing. It's, it's amazing if you check to see how many times Jesus in his in his uh, conversations with with the leaders uh, and also with his disciples speaks of the work that God is doing Mm -hmm. and the fact that he is doing the work that God is telling him to do or the works that God is showing him. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't know. I've sort of got off track on that, but I'm just saying I th- I think that the overarching thing to learn about in this is not to be so me focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what what this is about. I don't think that's off topic at all. There's something about work in together mm-hmm. or f- working together for others. Yeah, yeah. But I, I guess more what I was asking though is like, how would Jesus's ministry have been different? Because we talked about it. Like, man, like they call him Rabbi. Was it possible he made it past Beth Midrash? Like, how how would it have been different if he had been? Pharisee and just decided you know what well not just decided just at some point at 30 uh, decided to go make disciples out of the fishermen as a Pharisee or something as a rabbi like how would that have been different well he couldn't have related to them yeah mm-hmm. I mean he wouldn't have a common common relationship and they wouldn't have it with him mm-hmm. because <clears throat> they would they wouldn't expect him to understand their situation. Yeah. I mean, the whole purpose, you know, we're, we're told specifically that, that Jesus has the ability to understand all that we've gone through. Mm-hmm. Well, he couldn't have accomplished that probably in the same way. Yeah. With, with that higher learning education. I mean, you could have included that, but if you didn't have that other, uh, experience and other experience of trade and working with your hands and yeah and and being on the you know in the working class yeah you you couldn't relate to those people or they wouldn't think that they could relate to you well I mean and I think that's interesting because you know I suppose if we lived in in those times and we thought about the Messiah you know what like what class would we have expected him to come from we might have expected him to come from you know, I guess the, the religious class potentially. And what's interesting about that is like, I think you're right. I think it would have been a lot harder to get his foot in the door with common folks and with, and again, his message with the message that this is for everybody, but he would have a lot, he would have a lot of trouble getting his, his foot in the door with common, common folks because he doesn't have a trade, you know? And we see like, he certainly has the intellectual chops to keep up with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but it turns out like he can also, you know, I assume make a pretty good kitchen table. <laughs> you know, yes. what what it kind of reminds me of. Uh, I had told this, mentioned this to Justin. Actually, I said this to you guys today at lunch. Speaking of Mike Rowe, so Mike Rowe was on another podcast I was listening to, and they were talking about his, uh, you know, his foundation and the Sweat Pledge, the Micro Foundation, Micro Works Foundation. And one of the things he he was talking about is how he had been misquoted recently. So. Uh, or or somebody said something and he that they thought he would agree with and he disagreed. And they're saying like the, he, what was said was that the world could do with a few few less doctors and a few more welders. And Mike Rose corrected him. He says like that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it would be better if you know a few more of these doctors could you know draw a straight bead like welding, and a few more welders could discuss like Immanuel Kant and Montesquieu and you know some of these philosophers. Um, and I, I've kind of preached on this before. I, I think there is like, there's a lack of balance, but it's, it, it's at both ends because certainly I'm sure you guys have experienced this. There's as much as we, we think of the elite and the upper class, like there can be an elitism there. There's also an elitism with lower class folks as well. 
And that's that's something that I don't think we appreciate that Jesus might have had to contend with if he had been, you know, a Pharisee. Well, pride isn't the sole possession of one socioeconomic class. Certainly. But back to the question of what might, thinking about what Jesus, how Jesus's ministry was impacted by the fact that he was a carpenter, he that shows up in a couple of parables okay. of his. He had the parable of the the wise builder and the the foolish builder, the wise man and the foolish man. Mm-hmm. You know, wise man built his house upon the rock, foolish man built his house on the sand. Yep. But there's also the the one which I think is even more pertinent to thinking about Jesus and his mission. And that's of the the ruler who was going to build a tower and he would and he didn't he has to count the cost of building that tower because if he's going to if he doesn't do that and he gets, you know, halfway in and he runs out of resources and this tower that everybody knows he's trying to build isn't completed, then he's going to become a laughing stock. Mm-hmm. I think we can really see Jesus himself in that parable, Jesus knowing what it takes to to start a project and finish it and to, to do the whole thing mm-hmm. well, because the kingdom was something that he was starting to build. In fact, he, he's spoken of prophetically, and then he, he recognized it and spoke about the fact that he was the stone that the builders rejected, but he became the chief cornerstone. But here's the thing about that. The cornerstone is part of the foundation. He was building the foundation, and the foundation was being built through him, Mm -hmm. but he was going to have to leave the remainder of that to others. Yeah. And so he had to train up the disciples in the way that they should go. Right. So that they would keep building after him. Yeah. Um, also, I think he's building something right now. Certainly. Um, and, I mean, if you look at the, the dimensions of the new Jerusalem in Revelation, it's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty, pretty, pretty ornate. Or Str- ornate. Streets of gold and whatnot. And Crystal at least sea. temporarily airworthy. <laughs> I was just going to read in John chapter 5 it, <clears throat> Jesus says uh, well there's a lot of context which you can't get to but anyway he says my father is working until now and I myself am working <clears throat> so um, if nothing else what I'm saying is all of the all of the references to the fact that Jesus references the fact that God is working and that he is working just lends credibility to the fact that work is is essential. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's essential for God to be working, then yeah. it's essential for everybody else to be working. Well, I mean, he says, I'm, you know, I'm going to pre- prepare a place for you. Like, yeah, like you said, like. He worked here, and he and he ascended, and, he, and and he's working there as well. So, what makes us think we're so special? Right. You know? I I want to read one more thing before we, I don't know where our time is. Oh, don't anyway, worry about that. Chapter six. Jesus is talking to the people. He says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves 
and were filled. That's right after he had fed the 5,000. Mm-hmm. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God hath set his seal. Then they asked this question. You know, he says, don't work for the food that perishes. Mm-hmm. You know, work for the food that endures to eternal life. And they're saying, well, they're trying to find out, well, what is that? Mm-hmm. They said, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Hmm. So that's really interesting. Yeah. In other words, it seems like it's saying to me that the work of God is doing the things that make you believe without question, mm-hmm. in the one that God sent. Mm-hmm. And also to work in a way that other people believe that same thing mm-hmm. without reservation. Yeah. I mean, that's what it says right here. This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like to me that that's defining the work of God. And the work of God the work that God is doing is toward that end. Mm-hmm. It's toward the end of you believing in the one that he sent. Yeah. And they, by by inference, they ask the question, mm-hmm. what do we do to do the works of God? And he says, well, this is what God's doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's trying to make it possible for everyone to have the opportunity to believe in the one that he sent yeah. and all that that entails. So you would think, well, that's he was answering their question. That means that's what we should do. We should do the same work that God is doing. Well, can we infer from that? Because certainly we know if we don't work, we don't eat. So there's an element of this where we must work to continue to sustain life. But also, I mean, so what are we saying then, kind of like we said earlier, but, but another portion of what your vocation, your job, your work is for is, is to advance the kingdom I mean, and maybe like in a real practical sense, like, uh, well, what, what do we say the other day, right? L- L- God is love. He who does not love does not know God. So, so, you know, when we show love in our work, you know, we, we are sharing God with others and, and thereby potentially advancing the kingdom, question mark? Yes, and people... We need to be the sort of people who are thoughtful enough about the things that we do that we see God, see things about him as we go about trying to do our work thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. I was in the dentist office last week getting my teeth cleaned, which is a borderline mortifying experience. Not a huge fan Okay. They're, they're all nice and everything. It's not their fault. But I mean, if anybody's sticking sharp stuff in your mouth, you know, it's not a great, not a great deal. Anyway, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there with my mouth open. <laughs> and, and then, you know, the gal tells me to, you know, clamp down and let the water squirt in there. And like she suctions it out and all that. And it's pretty miserable. And I'm thinking, man, how about the fact that we have teeth? You know, mm-hmm. and that that's a thing and that they're a thing that needs to be clean and that there are people who need to be able to do that to take care of this thing that, that God's 
given us, you know, it could have been otherwise. It just, it, it or it's, it's like going to the eye doctor and thinking about how intricate our eyes mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And, and I would like people who, who do that, who, who interact with this. I mean, if the slightest thing is off in your mouth, it, it's just dreadful. Mm-hmm. And so how finely tuned our, our mouths are like that should make us realize how good God is mm-hmm. and how brilliant he is to create teeth yeah for, for goodness sake or or, or our eyes be, yeah when, when the slightest thing is off I mean if we have the tiniest speck of dust in our eyes you have my full attention <laughs> with that you know? yeah, yeah oh man it's it's awful I mean it everything stops or if you chip a tooth he, heaven forbid it's yeah. ev- everything is is off from that and so people who 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 deal with that on a daily basis that they're constantly like they have their hands on something that was finely tuned and <clears throat> engineered and orchestrated by by a creator and it's 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 so obvious yeah or with you and you know the medical training that you've had, or the things that that, that Winston grows, or the, the the kids that I'm around and and trying to teach them English, which mm-hmm. language is this thing that God has has thought of. Yeah, it, that's what we need is people who go about their work recognizing how they're dealing with God's work. Mm-hmm. So you said two things I want to try to tie together. The first thing is, you know, before, as you were commenting on my comment, you said said something about being thoughtful and uh, working with the kids downstairs on the fruit of the Spirit. uh, One of them has kindness. And the definition here here is doing thoughtful deeds for others. And so uh, I think it's actually Madeline, so my daughter, for those of you listening at home. And and so we read one passage about God's loving kindness, and and she was basically kind of saying how... um, uh, God is love and we want to be like him and God is kind. So that we should therefore also be kind. And so we kind of, what we teased out of that too is like, what's unique about that kindness is if God's love is unconditional, that kindness should also be unconditional. And that's, that should, again, this kind of, I think that's another way of defining what we're saying. The approach to work should be here. Like we, we treat our work as though it's an act of kindness to those for whom we are working other thing I wanted to say though is when you act, talk about how, again, our teeth or the eyes are and, and how intricately made they are. I was actually had turned over to Psalms, Psalms yeah. one thirty nine. What is it? One thirty nine. Yeah, I think so. Fourteen. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So, I never got to this in the sermon, um, and I mentioned it when we were talking about the bronze bow. So you might recall when I was reading through there. It goes from Daniel living up in the hills, smelting his own ore, fashioning weapons with crude handmade tools and mm-hmm. a in a a a, uh, a forge that he built himself to working in Simon's shop with real tools, and he's surprised how much better, how much good, how how good his his skills are because he's been using you know these handmade tools all this time, all the all this time to him picking up that piece of bronze. And, and making art. Mm-hmm. So what is the role of maybe art in like the importance of work? Is there something there with that? Well, we have to think about what the word art even means. Oh man, it's always a good place to start. 
<laughs> so I don't know. What do you think it? What do you think it means? What does art mean? I, I won't put you on the spot specifically. What's yeah, at gotta, least? What, what, what's put at Winston least on the, the spot? Make him answer your questions. He's always. He's always. Well, I don't. I'll <laughs> veer off of that yeah. just a little bit because you and I have had this discussion already before about about God being a creator, mm-hmm. and so that's part of His nature is creation, mm-hmm. and that's. To me, that's one of the primarily elements of art is creating. Yeah, I mean, people that are artsy are creative. Mm-hmm. I have, don't have a creative bone in my body, but what I'm saying—I don't is know. We about heard that. you <laughs> sing, Winston. Come on. Well, no, but that's not creative. What I'm saying is, I'm better at fine tuning what's already created. Okay, I can. You know see what I'm that. saying? I, yeah. I, I think my orchestrating my skills are lended better toward improving or, yep. or or enhancing whatever's already been created. Certainly. But to not come up with the creation. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is God is a creator. And so and Justin and I have had that conversation in the in the context of if he created all this to begin in, what makes us think that he's not doing it now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean he, and if he's the same yesterday, day and tomorrow, he's gonna continue to be a creator. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, but how that affects how art affects or what that effect that can art can have i guess i don't know mm-hmm. it's what you're asking and i'm just saying it it helps us to understand that concept of god as being a creator and what i would want to say about that is we might want to not think of it uh, only in physical terms mm-hmm. he's not a creator of just physical things he's he's a creator of 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 ideas, yeah. As a creator of ideas, and so and thoughts, and so, um, one of the things that I don't know uh, that that when we were talking about how work how, how you exhibit in your work, mm-hmm. maybe in what God is, uh, I I think that's that's where. That's where the value of that comes in is you exhibit characteristics of God mm-hmm. while you are working. Yeah. And that goes right back to exactly what you were talking about, what you're teaching the kids mm-hmm. is the fruit of the spirits, love, joy, peace. Well, those are all characteristics yeah. of God. Mm-hmm. And so exhibiting characteristics of God is what I think is part of what he says the work of God is. You know, the work of God is for you to believe in Jesus, who was a, a, a uh, not example. What's the term, Justin? Uh, he he was he was the incarnation mm-hmm. yeah, it, of yeah, of God, an, an embodiment. Of, he was an incarnation, an embodiment of God's characteristics. Yeah, all of them, not just physical mm-hmm. and material, but also his his creative uh, abilities, his creative notions. And his his exhibition of all of those fruits of the spirit. Well, and I think like when you look at the story we're referencing, the bronze bow, you can kind of see the progression of 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 passion through this, and and you get to that point where uh, it is becoming creation. Because again, you have this young man who's doing this job up in the hills because that was his trade, and the the resistance movement needs him to to doing it in the city to, to, to earn a living for his, his sister and he, him and, and getting some fulfillment out of that. And then being surprised at how good he is at it. 
and 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 then kind of like making a decision like I, like I'm going to do this well to um almost I mean I guess just taking that one step further and and instead of making, you know, a new belt buckle or clasp for a helmet, things that maybe already exist and he's just reproducing them, make something that he has that's never been made before. Like so so truly creating something. And so uh I don't know, it's almost like this the whole passion thing comes full circle and now it's just going to be like this self this this positive feedback mechanism perhaps. Mhm. Pursuit of excellence. Yeah. Uh which creates which creates um uh in and of itself satisfaction. Yeah. 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 Yeah, satisfaction in in the the works of one's hands is it's it's legitimate. Mm-hmm. And so art is not the thing that's produced. The art is the thing that produces. So so the art is the the characteristic, the quality of the creator mm-hmm. that brings forth the creation. Oh, okay. And so there there's been a confusion in the modern world uh, in that regard, or or conflating the two. So, um, the Mona Lisa is not art. It is a work of art. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The art was possessed by da Vinci. Yeah. And he used that, uh, like, and, and by means of those qualities and those skills that he had developed and refined. Mm-hmm. Th- those those inner possessions. Yeah. He he did that work. Yeah. Which I think lends credence to the idea of I, I, you've probably I think you've heard this before where. Uh, somebody asked Jordan Peterson one time, like, if if a very skilled painter was able to paint an identical Mona Lisa, you know, Claude Monet, whatever, mm-hmm. why wouldn't it be worth just as much as the original? And and Peterson says something effective because it's not the original, you know. It's not the original. There's no sacrifice. The whole system that we've conceived of is predicated on sacrifice. And there's just none of it. And they threw it out there as some sort of reproduction, and they just don't get it. It's breaking everything. There's no appreciation for the undergirding principles hey, that ahead. produced any of it. Over here, good grief. <laughs> We're going to go save your dad, bucko. <laughs> but so anyways, right? Yeah, what about Jordan Peterson? <laughs> Come on, you heard what I said. <laughs> No, but that's interesting. The idea of it being a work of art, and yeah. it, right, like the, yeah. So like the painting is a manifestation of the skill, and and but not even just the skill, like the whatever's up here, because mm-hmm. it's certainly there's this idea of the the you know the melding of man and machine, man and paintbrush, or whatever. Uh, but then there's that that something that whatever that is up here that maybe sets that person apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. So art is skill, and so that that's why we say that there's fine art. Mm-hmm. There's skill that has been ref- refined beyond normal, typical, average, mm-hmm. or or even you know, just it's 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 beyond it. You know, it's 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 excelled to to the the highest level, which is part of the problem of, of our current society is that that that's not really the case. Yeah. 
anymore. I mean, when you when you have, I mean, th- there there's no skill in just uh, slinging paint from a paintbrush across a canvas. Yeah, I mean, an elephant can do that. So, but would this be too cliche? You know, I mean, I man, what I start to think of is like Subway, right? Sandwich artists. Oh yeah. But what if you know? What if you 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 take on a job you decide i'm going to bring my passion with me i'm going to work for the do this as though working for the lord not for men and every every hamburger that goes through my station is going to be a work of art it's going to look like the picture <laughs> right right <laughs> and again like that maybe seems kind of silly but 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 isn't that kind of like the idea like because yeah right like not not your hamburger is never going to be a mona lisa but you know, maybe we would say, but every every hamburger that I I prepare is going to be a quality product going out the door. Mm-hmm. Of course, that person might be limited by the tools of the trade, so to speak. Okay. I mean, is it really beef that is being you, slapped between those? Can you buns? just try to see my point, please? I see your point. I agree with your point. Okay. <laughs> you know, like you should behave as though every. What do you make at school? <laughs> Every student is a work of art. No, I don't think that doesn't work. Every lesson plan is a work of art. How about this? One of the ways that I try to do this is really the the, the grades that the kids get are based on their writing. Mm. And so I take the time to grade everything individually when I could just have them read random passages or, or I mean, or not so random passages mm-hmm. and have them just click multiple choice stuff that the computer will automatically grade for me and then put into a grade book so that I have no work to do. Yeah. I could do that. You could do that. I don't do that. No. So, well, and you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you, you experienced it, but this is like one of the, 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 I guess one of the things we, the, the issues we have the most with our kids, you know, at doing homeschool is, is uh, it's like, I can tell from this work that you don't care, you know, like, uh, what does it? Jessica will always say to them like, you're not giving me your best, you know, like you're not giving me your best. And, you know, I think in our era, what did I hear the other day? Somebody's talking about, uh, Oh, I think it was like a Joe Rogan or something like that, but he was talking about how, how our society lacks discipline and anybody who who is seen to be trying to advance that idea like we need to to discipline children and teach them how to do things and and bring them structure like that's how some that's somehow like tyrannical or totalitarian but we're sorely lacking in that and so to say something like that like you're not giving me your best you know the, the tendency now is to be like well you know he's 7 you know uh like that's just not the expectation anymore but but I think like, but but it should be. It's because parenting is hard work. Mm-hmm. To real to really parent is hard work. It's easier to just let a kid, as long as the kid isn't threatening life, limb, property, to just sort of do what the kid wants to do. Yeah. Instead of training the kid up in the way that he should go. Well, and, and something you said earlier, and I, I I was thinking this, and I didn't remember to say it. Winston was. Uh. I think a, a lot, a, another area, another failing with most modern parents. I mean, and I'm, I am not, I am not perfect in this regard either. Is that when you're training a child to do things? I mean, 
that requires some patience. And it takes longer. It takes longer. You know, like I, I had the boys, we were, we were doing chores today. And so this is the second week in the row where I've gone in there. It's like, all right, grab the Windex, spray the mirror. Okay. Grab a couple pieces of paper towel, fold them like this wipe it down and it's like you know i had emmett i had him switch roles today so emmett was wiping was was wetting everything and owen was coming behind him and drying up and neatening it up and it's like <laughs> what, did I, what did i say to him like oh you're a really bad wiper can you please like you're missing spots you know and and you and the tendency is to want to just grab the rag and do that do it for them um but like you, obviously you're doing them a disservice and long term yourself a disservice when you do it that way but it seems like that's so much of how life is structured now. I mean, I nef- I definitely seen some like, uh, I don't know. That's this was on TV one time. They were talking about how chores are like child slavery or something like that. Like that's that's a that's a thought that people think nowadays. I just know that, that that's that, a thought that Marxists think, right? Which is crazy. Uh, but it's probably probably also how you end up with a generation of people who like, you know, can't cut their own meat or what, pump their own gas. You know. Yeah. Those are lists of things that you'll see when they're like, it's like, what are the things that millennials can't do? <laughs> Boil eggs. <laughs> Just, things like that. I'm sure there are. But. Man. I was, I, I mentioned this to Justin the other day, but I'm so far removed from education just as a general sense. Mm-hmm. But Justin's always talking about, and you're talking about, we always talk about, about the, the redefin, you know, redefining of terms of words, and yeah. and the lack of using certain words because they don't fit, sort of what it is. And I told Justin, you know, I can remember when, when, like, even in high school, or but particularly in college, uh, different subjects were called disciplines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that term was used. Yep. These are disciplines, mm-hmm. but the connotation of that is such that now that they don't use those term that term anymore, hardly. yeah, right. They don't use the term disciplines anymore because mm-hmm. it's all catered toward actually a lack of discipline. It's it's catered toward um, the student does what they want, uh, and the student defines the student is given the authority to define whatever they think that discipline, you know, what that subject ought to be mm-hmm. as opposed to actually disciplining themselves to conform and adhere to mm-hmm. what that discipline requires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which translates into if you're, if you're, if you're listening to Jesus and, and Jesus says, well, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a discipline there, yeah, and that's where again we've we've tried to take the the word love and take the connotation of discipline out of it. Yep, by mm-hmm. trying to make qu- it accessible by not, by not quoting the second part of the verse. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's what I'm saying is that that word that discipline is I think really important, but in what we're talking about because it 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 just means that it's a there's a dedication to something. Um, to do it, do it well, mm-hmm. and and continue to strive to do it better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much we got? We're we're over an hour probably already, huh? Should 
Should we, should we start tying a bow on this? I mean, if we have to. <laughs> I mean, we could always do a part four. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm, I'm running out of notes here. I think we might. This might be the last one. Might have to. Might have to think of something else next time. <laughs> um, I had a I, like this. The last part of these notes is it was like straight narrative. I was reading something I thought was interesting in here, though. In this kind of maybe, it's almost like a little bit more practical. Although I think it it has something to do with the idea of the passion and all that. Is I was telling the kids this the other day. Uh, this is when I I. <laughs> Your kids are Sunday school kids. The Sunday school kids. I, I mentioned from the pulpit the other week that uh, at least once a month, one of them says something and it just set, sets me off. And usually it's a comment on how, uh, you know, not useful some portion of academia is to them. And why do I need to learn this? I'm never going to use it like that kind of thing, which this in particular, one young man, he's taking calculus and he thinks calculus is not useful. Uh, I never took calculus. I, I, I got to trigonometry. Um, and I was like, well, what part of calculus do you think is not useful? He's like, well, I don't know, matrices. Which is just silly because, I mean, you know the kids we have down there and how many of them play video games. And, like, that's literally what, you know, like computer code is, if I'm not mistaken. It's matrices, among other things. Really? Yeah. Anyway. The matrix? Yep. Well, that, I mean, that's kind of the idea there. That's where that comes from. Are you you blue pilling these kids? Are you <laughs> red pilling them? I'm not. But anyways, one of the things I was telling them is like I don't think you're really in a position to to determine whether or not you're going to use something later. Like how do you know? Exactly. Like you have no idea. And 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 frankly, I mean I don't know if there's anything I've set out to do that that didn't end up at least a portion of it being useful at some other point later. Right. You know. And so I think sometimes when it comes to how we present work to, to our young people, like we, well, the world, the world is certain, certainly leading them stra- astray. And I think because maybe we don't investigate it enough as Christians, sometimes we're not helping either because they seem to think it's like, I leave high school, this is where I need to go. And it's going to be a straight line. Mm-hmm. And what I was telling them is, and the, kind of, kind of going back to what we're saying here is it's like, nope. And I think Jordan Peterson was saying this, like, you just need to pick something. Yeah, you need to pick something and you need to do it and do it the best that you can, and and it's like corny. He was like a truck driver for a while, right? Right. I think so, among other things. Yeah, but I think he worked in oil rig at one point. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but it's like you're gonna do this thing, and there's gonna be this part of that thing that you didn't realize was part of that thing, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna try this now. It's like, and that's gonna branch off into something. And eventually, you're gonna get, you're gonna go to the place that you're supposed to go, but it's probably not going to be a straight line. Um. And, and and so, uh, I mean, I think that's maybe the value of bringing your passion with you. And, and, and again, like in the more practical sense, that's the thing, right? Like, I don't know about you, but like I took, I did go take an aptitude test in high school. And then you sit down with a guidance counselor and they tell you the things that you might be good at. Um, because they're definitely the experts at that. Right. Uh, they, they have, they have master's degrees to prove it. I mean, it means they're masters, right? Right, but like maybe I wasn't paying attention, and they did say this stuff, but they never tell you like, you know, they're not they're not going to tell you not only like this 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 odd field to go into, and then all the other things that are related to that field that you could also make a career out of. Like I always think of, you know, I did EMS for a while, you know, and so you think of doing EMS like it's just driving an ambulance, right? But there's this whole other realm of education that you could get into, which pays pretty well. And then there's like tactical medics who work with SWAT teams. And, you know, uh, it's just like a number of things like that. You can get involved in FEMA. You can like there's all these other 
areas that you could take being a paramedic that nobody's really ever tells you about and you're not going to know until you spend some time in that career you know right and so uh all that to say um it's almost one of these situations and i can kind of tie this back to the peace thing again and and, and mr i thought ray's mr noggle's lesson this morning was really interesting as well we were talking about peace downstairs again and the idea of again it's not simply a lack of conflict but it's you know uh the way this defines it is it's a harmony harmony in all relationships and so it would seem that if we have harmony in our relationship with god then we should have peace and there was an element of that one of the scriptures we were reading where uh, that also involves trust so if you go back to the garden they probably had a pretty peaceful situation and before the devil showed up they had every reason to to trust god you know Mm -hmm. and so i guess i say all that to say this is the Bible's telling us that this is how we should approach work. And so if if for no other reason, we should maybe just trust God that that is the case. And then hmm. in our work, we will find peace and fulfillment and passion and, and, and all that other stuff. Perhaps. And, and in the meantime, not be like a teenager and think that we already know everything that we need to know about everything we need to know about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's really true. I think, um, Justin and I have talked about this before. Um, God reveals only the things that you have the ability and capability of receiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And until you have progressed, you may not have that opportunity to for God to reveal things to you. Yeah. Because you're you're not in a position to receive them. Yeah. You don't have enough experience. Yeah. Yet. Mm-hmm. But if you don't pursue with excellence these things then you may never reach that point and right. so you don't receive things from god because you have limited yourself yeah well and, and that's the thing is like i mean i think about like purpose-driven life purpose-driven church like that whole book series i never really read them so i'm not going to maybe speak to the the content specifically but just the idea of that there's just this desire of pursuing purpose and I, I i don't think that there's maybe anything wrong with that in and of itself but if you're just sitting there like praying like god please just tell me my purpose what's my purpose i wish you would reveal your purpose to me you know and it's like he's probably going like how many other doors do i have to open for you you got like three applications sitting over there there's this job here there's some you know like i mean you like, have a family yeah you have two legs that work devote yourself to something and the purpose will be forthcoming and the trash needs to be taken out yeah right <laughs> i wish my kids would ask me what their purpose was once every once in a while <laughs> yeah you were there yesterday owen's like you, you didn't have kid. You, you don't have kids just so they can do your chores i'm like that's exactly why i had kids <laughs> okay should we wrap this up any final thoughts i think i kind of already said mine be a rebel. Start a family. <laughs> there you go. Anything, anything you want to say? So they can do say? your chores. No, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Winston, it's customary that uh, whoever doesn't do the talk or doesn't prepare it <laughs> says the prayer. That's usually Justin, but I think since you're here, you're the, you're the man, so you got to close this out in prayer. All right. Uh, Father, we are indeed grateful that you have given us uh, everything, uh, including... Uh, the ability uh, and the desire for those of us who have it to 
uh, search out you uh, and have given us um, so many ways in which to do that, uh, including your word, including our interaction with those who also uh, share a passion for understanding and learning who you are. And we're grateful, Father, that we have these opportunities, and we're grateful, uh, Father, that uh, there are people who are willing to share those things. And as if we've talked about tonight, that uh, the sharing of those things uh, is an example that uh, Jesus has set uh, for us, and we pray that you will help us to follow his example uh, and uh, to continue to try to discern uh, his example and use that in our lives. Uh, We're thankful for Byron and Justin and uh, what they do to try to uh, proclaim uh, the truth of your word. Uh, And, uh, Father, we pray that that will have an effect. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.